I'm David Quinn, the writer behind Faust. You're listening to... Uh, line! 11 o'clock comics. <laughs> 11 o'clock comics! Stay primal, don't do drugs, look at me! <laughs> this is Tim Vigil, the great, the one, the only. You're listening to 11 o'clock comics. Read Faust, live Faust, sell your soul. <laughs> Which ties into something I want to talk about tonight. Oh, very nice. Yeah. Bonus tip. Unbelievable. Uh, His talent multiplies by the project, it seems. Wish I had it. I'd be very happy. Oh, I know who he's talking about. Yeah, yeah. We won't bury the lead. Or spill the beans, is more like Next time his conviction list opens up, you should partake. Ah, you know, in his case, I probably would. Yeah. That's how much I, I love his artwork. Except you won't, because you won't play that play. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's just true. Well, I mean, come on. We haven't had any... How much money, Vince, have you saved by not going to cons this year? This is so, true, but... I think so you, much of the money. Yeah, right. but in, in in my defense, say his commissions are 1000 which is probably... I'm lowballing it. I'm guessing they're more, right? No, that's in the ballpark. Okay. I think about what $1,000 could buy me. Yeah, you could buy and, some amazing art that you would love forever. But the, you see, but that's why it is one piece of amazing art, which is wonderful and would bring me great joy. But I could get thousands of pieces of amazing art, all within the pages of books. It's it's a t- it's a tough call. I'm a slave to the paper. I love books. That's it, it's my my blessing, and it's also my curse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, the things I would do to get books, even from such a, a young age, I would go so far out of my way for even the slightest chance of picking up a, a an eerie or a creepy ear. Like I would walk three miles into a bad section of town because that's where the comic shop was when I was thirteen, and I'm not knowing whether they were open or not. I just took it a, a chance, walked down there, and I came home with two creepies. That's awesome. That's what motivated me as a kid, not sports or, or hanging with friends. It was it was the comics. It's I think same as it ever time, was. Well, we know we we know we always know what what he's working on, what 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 books he's working on, what his projects are. So we know that uh, who his rep is. So as soon as Jason or I get the email. We will just keep an eye out for those art drops, and and yeah. then you'll you'll. But you know, I look because I think I think I think pages. I don't think I, pages will be much cheaper than a commission. So as long as we know what you know a project that he's working on, and if there's something you you're keen on, then you. Yeah, but we'll talk about it. But the thing that I want to talk about tonight, I doubt. Number one, it looks like it's digital. Number two, he's not going to be able to reproduce what I see on my screen on a paper, on a piece of paper. He's not going to be able to do it. Because, because of he, the color work? Because mean? of the color. And he's very yeah. he's very savvy. He'll start a part of a contour line in black and finish it in red. You can't do, you can do that real media, but I doubt it's going to be, I mean, it's probably going to be much more than $1,000. This is why his commissions are so great, because you can get color. Stop it. Don't tell me that. Hey, everybody. 
<laughs> it's 11 o'clock comics episode 686 and i am a jubilant vince b you are a jubilant vince b and i am a rather don't you, amused david a price okay so don't you dare say tired because we're keeping you up past your bedtime tonight that's true who was here first chicken not the egg <laughs> He said, oh, oh, this is what it's like when someone steps on him. Jason? You guys done? Oh, I'm sorry. You good? <laughs> yeah, we're good. Okay. We, remember when I said Roy Thomas was the best moment of VOC ever? Scratch that. We got a new one. <laughs> I'm well, so fickle. I don't know who this Jason person is because I'm Danny the Street. Oh, thank you. <laughs> uh, you, you see, do you, can, you can hear my heart thumping all the way over in New Jersey, can't you? You're not Danny the Street, unfortunately. I love him so much. You're Jason Wood. Altogether What's again. Up? You made me happy with that. Mm-hmm. Now you know what I meant when I said Hawksmore team up with Danny the Street? Why it would make yes. sense? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Neat. Everybody's here on this episode of 11 O'Clock Comics brought to you by our wonderful patrons. Yep. They're there for us month in, month out. They're a community. They're family. We get together every day on the Slack to, sur- to varying degrees. Sometimes people are busy, sometimes, but it's always a meeting space where we can drop knowledge on comics or unleash a torrent of emotions because life has given us sour lemonade Um it's just a wonderful thing. And if you would like to experience it or at least get a clue as to what we're talking about, go to patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics, one, one, no apostrophe, and just see for yourself. A lot of the things are hidden because they will uh, allow you to view things as a guest. If you are a patron, you get to view other things. And depending on your level, you get to view everything. And you won't see the real meat and potatoes. You'll see a little bit of the gravy, So uh, which... Uh, begs the question we should throw some stuff up just for casual observers just to make it seem like you know there's a lot going on because to the naked eye there's probably not because you can't see the stuff because you're not a patron it's a oh, no, weird sell the, post still, there. the, post, the post is still there they know they're missing stuff because they see headlines yeah. they just can't it's oh like, it's i didn't like, know it's that it's like an article through a paywall yep. it's like you can only read so oh, far. oh i didn't know that all right so yeah, you can you, you can get a you can see what you're missing an approximation of what goes on oh for sure. you can see the plate you just can't see the delicious meal that's on top of it exactly right looking at it through a window yes. how y'all doing on this fine monday it is monday i'm 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 doing pretty good. It's it's kind of muggy and sticky. I took the dog for a walk. It was it was rough, but other than that, I'm <laughs> I'm, I'm in a good. Ah, I didn't even see that. Uh, I uh, I'm in a good mood, feeling good, nice and uh, nice and tight. I, I'm in a weird mood because I was wowed by mainstream comics. I know. Look at you. Yes, and by one of my favorite characters. Almost never happens. Lately, yeah. sorry. Um, but it was it was nice and and they were there was no heavy lifting with all of the things in fact i have a theme going on mm. yep nice you want to get into that first or you want to go no no let's let's just get a high note. Can, can i uh i have questions i feel like i'm i'm going to play tony fleece for the week for the week i have questions okay <laughs> you know he always comes on he has questions for us 
Yes, we do. In, re- I have questions. Related to Tony Fleece? No, I, no. You know how Tony comes on. Exactly. And no, no. This, what I'm going to say is related to Tony Fleece. Oh. Um, I actually had to stop today. He he tweeted um, an, another worthy cause. He seems to be all about the worthy causes and donating and making people mm-hmm. aware of, of things that need attention. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just stopped and replied to one of his tweets saying, there's not a day that goes by that I don't feel proud to n- call him friend. That's facts. I'm not kidding. I'm not laying no, any kind of... It was his birthday this past week, too, so yeah, happy belated. It's, it's the honest to Kirby truth. He's a good man. Wait, is it the honest to Kirby tooth or the honest to Kirby truth? I said truth. I don't know what's in your ears. I think you said tooth, but that's okay, though, because okay. Kirby tooth is probably full of cosmic power. See, this is the boomerang from stepping on him on the <laughs> intro. This is what happens. <sighs> okay, questions. Yes. Well, I introduced myself as Danny the Street, which made Vince's heart a flutter. Yes. Uh, most of you probably listening know the reference. For those of you that don't, it is a character introduced in Doom Patrol. Um, I own in collected form most of Doom Patrol's existence in comics. I have heretofore read almost none of it. Um, I happened upon the Doom Patrol TV show, which also I've had access to since it first aired a year and a half ago, but I just... Um, honestly, I saw the characters in um, Titans, and mm. I, I think the taint of Titans turned me off to the idea of watching <laughs> a show about Doom Patrol. But I was bored and um, turned it on and gave it a shot and was absolutely captivated. I, worked, I, I sat and watched five episodes and stayed up till like two in the morning uh, one night, and then I finished the whole first season. I have not started the second season yet, but, but Doom Patrol, the TV show, is a masterpiece. Straight up masterpiece. I think it is wonderful but then i'm watching it and i'm thinking is this why you know i mean again i love grant morrison and i've read a lot of grant morrison but i haven't read doom patrol i'm thinking is this why like is the is the comic like this show is is there is there is there is there synergy so started doing a little google sleuthing looking at some things and i thought wow it looks like it really is so uh as you all know i'm going on vacation next week uh i'm my plan is to read the entire morrison Doom Patrol run while on vacation. But my question is, questions are, um, Doom Patrol had uh, lots of other versions before and after Morrison. Uh, I know we've talked about this in the past, so forgive me for not remembering. But um, And this question is for you both, although I, I, I know for a fact Vince has read a lot of it. I, I don't remember where David stands on, on the... the the characters, but I'm curious if you were reading Copperberg's so Doom Patrol from issue one of volume two. If you're reading Copperberg as it went into Morrison, or if you picked it up because of Morrison, and then I'm also curious if you stuck around for uh, Rachel Pollock, who took over for Morrison after he left with issue 63, and then lastly, I'm curious if you have any high-level thoughts on any of the other versions, which would, of course, include the OG version, um, which, uh, you know, was was a long time ago, and I realized very different in tone. Uh, and then the newer stuff, which would include Arcudi's run, uh, Burn's run, uh, and then, I guess, uh, Giffen's run, and then most recently we've had Jared Way's 
run, which uh, which just came out what a year or two ago. So or no, four, I got four years ago. Jesus. Um, but uh, yeah, just curious of of what you thought of the non Morrison runs of Doom Patrol. Wow, you don't do anything halfway, do you? Never. That, that, that's a there's a lot to chew on there. I, I can probably uh, assume that DAP bought the um, volume two from the beginning, right? And why would you guess that? Because it was very closely tied to the Titan stuff. And you love the Titans, so I would I would assume. Oh, I do love the Titans. Yeah. Uh, no, I I was I was in the mood for that Doom Patrol because Steve Lytle was the artist. Exactly. Which so, is one of the reasons why I'd assumed you did. But right. I mean, conceptually, it just yeah. I mean, I know that there's the connection, but no, at at, at for this particular for this particular volume to get in on the ground floor with the number one, um, knowing what I've read from the doom patrol, because my, my introduction to the doom patrol was, was Steve Dayton, Gar's foster father and, or stepfather and, and her guardian. And then uh, of course, all the fallout from the previous doom patrol, all that connection. Yes. So, so, so there obviously is a Titans connection as far as why, what I'm familiar with, with Doom Patrol, um, but it was it was pretty much because these were new characters. It was a new number. It was number one, um, and uh, and and I was I adored Steve's work on Legion of Superheroes, so it was it, it was a no brainer. And Larson, there's a, some Larson in there too. And that's the Larson thing. Takes over for a Larson yeah. takes over like with issue five or something, and and I was just like that. This isn't what I signed up for. So I started to kind of. Um, this is young Larson by not. Oh, yes, today. and it's also I mean it's young me because I'm an idiot. So it's right. not like it's so so. I started to be like this. This isn't what I mean. I was there. I I, I was there with his first couple issues, and I was like, yeah, I'm not. There's something. Something's not jiving with me. So. Um, so I, I I bailed long before Morrison came on. And then when did you get around to reading the Morrison stuff, if ever? I haven't. Okay, Ooh. so you're with me. Okay. Wow. Yeah, no, I, I need to rectify it, but no, it, and it hasn't been, it's not out of some silly thing. It's just, I, it, it, it is, it's, it's on my list. I plan to, it's just one of those things that I just haven't gotten around to yet. Yeah. Oh, neat. Well, I bought the Kupperberg stuff from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Because, uh, on the record, wasn't a huge DC fan growing up, and it was, again, Burn that brought me over. And then I started investigating stuff coming out of DC. And even when I wasn't reading DC, Cliff Steele always fascinated me. Yeah. And I would look at that those old um, Greatest Adventure books and think, wow, that looks really cool. And um, Negative Man also piqued my interest. Like, he's just a cool design, right? So um, I, I started with the Kupperberg stuff, and I like Lytle, but the book really grabbed me when Larson took on, started. Because there was a lot of crossover with the Suicide Squad in the Kupperberg yeah. stuff, and mm-hmm. not a huge fan of that group. I mean, I, 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 I've read them, I, I enjoyed them, but I, I don't perk up when I see a Suicide Squad book, you know, especially mm-hmm. now. Um, 
And then when Morrison came on, in hindsight, um, he just blew my world apart. I think Morrison's Doom Patrol conceptually is every bit as earth-shattering as what Alan Moore did on Swamp Thing. Mm -hmm. He took a property that was, I mean, I went back and read the the Drake and the Haney stuff and it's really good and it's really strange. It's it's more in line with what Morrison did than the stuff that came after the my my greatest adventure books. But Morrison just spun my head around. I was like, this is one of the things I've been waiting for and I never realized it. It's that good. Right? Rachel Pollock just runs with what Morrison established. Her runs okay. really good, but it's the fumes from what Morrison largely there she there is there are some creations that she injected into the book and she, I thought she did a great job but mm -hmm. how do you follow Morrison who had a, a a long extremely fertile run on the book he will be the king of doom patrol for me sure yeah um i didn't read uh you know uh the giffen run i sure as hell didn't read the burn run uh it just looked off to me I don't know why. I can't say why. Maybe I'll revisit it or not revisit it. Maybe I'll I'll get those issues somewhere along the line. But I haven't read them. I think the um the Gerard Way stuff is homage to to uh Morrison. It's the tone is very similar. Cool. Yeah. And and Rachel Pollock really didn't do much else in comics, right? Not that I remember, no. No. Yeah, Nancy, like Nancy Collins. Collins on Swamp Thing. Yeah, yeah. Apparently, yeah. she is a world-renowned tarot reader. That's there's a lot of that in the book. Yeah, I was I was in reading about her run. It said that it was heavy on like Kabbalah. Yeah. Um, also, though, she put stuff like menstruation and transsexuality in the book, which is definitely at the time was highly highly controversial. So, yep. kudos to her for pushing the envelope. And Seriously. Um, I don't know what it is about the tarot. Those that love it, inject it into everything they do. Like Yodorovsky, there's tarot in everything he's done, mm -hmm. and they, mm -hmm. they it just seems like it 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 intertwines with their DNA, their creative DNA, and they have to they have to inject it into their work. I'm not complaining because I love the tarot, but it just seems that the those that love it got to spread it around even more. Which is okay, it's great. Um, where was I going with that? Oh, and the Rachel Pollock run of uh, Doom Patrol has a lot of Kyle Baker covers. Mm. A lot of really neat Kyle Baker covers. Yeah, there's a lot of Bisley in the, the Morrison run, and then it just shifts when Vertigo started doing the side uh, stripe, the uh, solid stripe down uh, the yeah. where mm -hmm. the spine is, and there's a, a shit ton of Kyle Baker covers. They're all really cool. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I, I mean, I know Daps watched the TV show, uh, Vince. I, I gather you have not. No, I didn't Dude, know I Danny really the Street was it, in it. Man. I'm sure I would. It, it is a pure love letter, as far as I, and again, I'm saying this having not read, the, but based on my subsequent research, it's a pure love letter to the Morrison era. Yeah, and it's it's. I mean, it's it is crazy. I mean, I think it's one of Brandon Fraser's best roles. Oh, um, easily. Oh, it's, and and it's, and it's not, let's not it, lose sight of the fact because we don't have to look at him. It's it's. Wait. <laughs> That's wrong. You don't have to punch him in the oh, face. Oh man! Uh, better than George of the Jungle. Diana, what's that? Better than George of the Jungle. <laughs> I scoff. Diane Diane Guerrero, who plays Jane, is incredible 
in in it. I mean, it's, um, I mean, I, you know, Jane. For for those listening that don't know anything about Doom Patrol, Jane is a character who was brutally, horribly molested as a, as a young child, and so she gets disassociative disorder, split personality. She has sixty four personalities, and because uh, it's comics. She underwent experimentation where she was imbued with uh, superpowers, and so every one of her character, every one of her personalities, has its own powers and abilities. Um, and and she's re- I I I would view her as the center of the first series season. I don't know. If, I haven't seen the second season yet, so I don't know if that continues. But um, I would I would I would say her arc ultimately becomes the main arc, um, which is not to say they don't give a lot of. Uh, plenty of plot development to, to to the other characters. I think that's one of the reasons the show is amazing. Is is it really does spend a lot of time fleshing out each character? But but uh, for me, she was the she was the the, the cornerstone of the show. Um, I, I'm blown away. I mean, I, I knew her. I knew the actress from Orange Is the New Black, um, and she was quite good in that. But it was a, a much more conventional role. Um, I just I, I can't say enough about how how well acted this, this show is. I mean, everybody in it is phenomenal. Um, and, and the one I, I dap, I'd love to get your thoughts on is, is, and you may have already talked about this, but I, I, again, cause I hadn't seen the show. I didn't have a frame of reference. What did you think of, uh, or what do you think of, uh, of, uh, of Jovan Wade as a, uh, as cyborg? I, I like his cyborg. I, and I, 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 I do like him as cyborg. I have no problem with, 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 the, I think I prefer, I prefer this cyborg over Ray Fisher's from Justice League, and that's—I mean, that, there's enough baggage with that movie anyway. But I, 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 and I get the—I understand why he would be so angry in the movie, and 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 that's the story. Anyway, the the show. At first, I was—it was just another. I, I was quick I, at first. I, I I knew he was going to be in the show, and I'm like, they just they just can't let my dude like leave him. Okay, so we have Teen Titans go. He's in the cartoon. That's great. And now he's in Justice League, and then Justice League movie, and Justice League comic, and now here's a show where we're going to give him Cyborg, not in the Titans, but I don't know if he'd really fit with Titans with the way that they're doing that show. So cyborg the character this version of this character fits in really nicely with doom patrol because they are a bunch of misfits so i and 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 i love his his attitude i love the way he plays off against cliff and and i just i think it's a really good fit um so so whatever my issues are with just and and it's not like let cyborg grow and there's just there's certain characters that just work better um in certain environments as far as this show goes though i i have no problem with with them adding cyborg to the mix so it wasn't it wasn't like they were trying to rewrite history mm-hmm. i I've, I've i've long come to to the realization and accept the fact that that every medium is doing its own thing with 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 these characters and these stories so i'm not i don't expect anything to stick and and, and be beholden to to the source material that's fine let things breathe hopefully they're they're organic and natural and 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 they make sense for the story but um um i like him in doom patrol yeah and vince there's an entire episode devoted to danny the street set set on danny the street well there should be um yeah it's it's great and it's so well done and i and i i was watching i'm thinking man like 
what a what a divine idea for for a character and setting. It, it's just psychogeography. Yeah, I, 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 I'm so excited to read the the run now. I have the Omnibu. I've had it for years, so I'm gonna tote that in the bag and uh, and get cracking on it. All right, I have a question and a Doom Patrol related recollection. Mm-hmm. My question is: Are the Dominators in it? Because how do they explain uh, Crazy Jane sixty four uh, personalities? Nah, nah. They 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 retcon that. No no mention of, of of the Dominators or invasion. Oh, okay. Well, I would have loved to see the Dominators uh, sure. in a, in a live action thing. And two, way back in the nineties, may have been mid nineties. Uh, one of those fabled New York conventions, uh, I strolled up to Richard Case's table, and he had a stack of original art, and no one mm. was around him. Of course. And oh. he was selling pages for 50 bucks a pop. Oh, boy. And I didn't bite, because I thought, $50 for what? A preposterous. I'm gonna Good go. Day, sir. I'm gonna go over that table over there and spend two hundred and fifty dollars on an Aurora model that I, that I'll never put together. But uh, uh, yeah, silliness. Uh, that's the way my goofy mind works. No, that, I, that's, that's literally the outcome of that situation. I went over and spent two hundred and fifty dollars on a on a uh, boxed creature, Aurora. But that's the thing. So well, again, you know, that's why these things are what they are. You know, I mean, if we all if we all were coveting comic art back then. It, it it wouldn't have been fifty dollars a page, right? You know what I mean? Like it's, yeah. I mean, you weren't alone. Is my point? You were you were more in the majority of people than the. It was the, I it was wish, the rare person that was that was hunting out art at that point in 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 the industry's history. If I had a time machine, one of the uses, uh, by which I would employ is to take you back to those days. So you can scoop up all the OA one. Oh my god, dude! Yep. I so um, shout out to Felix Liu, our buddy. Um, he has provided a series of podcasts, uh, exclusive to those who donated to a charity in his, uh, wife's memory. And, uh, so I'm not going to spill the beans on a lot of what you hear because it's, it's a special bonus from him. That's, that's behind the firewall, but I will share one anecdote because it's too good not to share. And I think it's innocent enough. Um, Albert Moy, who I think many people know, is uh, if not the the largest, he's one of the largest uh, collectors of, of of comic book art. Uh, one of the OGs. He's been at for forty years. He has a, a massive website. He moves massive amounts of, of art uh, in and out of his collection. Um, but but ultimately, like all of these big time art dealers, are are fans first and foremost. Uh, he was having a conversation about uh, his own history and shared, uh, and apparently this is a well-known story that they were just recounting the details. Um, he was approached, I, I still can't even believe this, he was approached after Watchmen number one came out to buy on spec the entire run in its complete form. And he turned it down. Stunned silence. Yep. And he turned it down because, and he couldn't quite remember now because it's, it's again, it's been what thirty, thirty-five years. Um, but he remembered they were asking something like fifteen hundred dollars an issue, <laughs> and he thought that was a lot for a book, a modern book that hadn't even come out yet, with very uh, unartistic covers. 
uh, that he didn't think would have much value. Um, <laughs> so he passed. But this, this doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me because as an art dealer, would he not? Well, he would, this was the early '80s. He was more of a, just a collector then, right? I mean, he was—he wasn't really. Oh, okay. Back, he wasn't Albert. Back then Moy. they were—they were trading with each other and, oh, and gotcha. selling pieces okay. to buy new pieces. They weren't. He wasn't who he is now. I because mean, I mean, even at that price, one would think that Dave Gibbons' artwork—you'd at well, least maybe over a period of time, if the book didn't hit, at least you would make your money back because it's Dave. Well, Gibbons. he strongly considered it, but he—but again, and remember, this is on spec, right? So not only, I mean, it's easy for, but this was Watchmen all, basically you had to believe that Watchmen would be a massively important series before it was. Right. Right. I mean, um, I mean, we live in the world now where you can't have a book like that come out without a year worth, a year's worth of hype. Sure. Uh, uh, but, but back then it just came out. Right. I mean, we, like we didn't, it wasn't like we were being told for months at our LCS, Hey, there's this book coming out called Watchmen. You know, we got teasers, but. So I, point being, obviously, it's a deep regret for him, but, but I just, I, could you imagine, I mean, just imagine if you talk about Butterfly Effect, if he had, if he had said yes to that, he owned all of Watchmen at some point. That's just, wow. And he said the other reason he was a little apprehensive was that there was a little quirkiness in it and that apparently Gibbons and Moore were technically allowed to keep pages that they wanted to keep. And he didn't get far enough in the deal to iron out the, the finer points of that, but it scared him off because he was worried that, they would keep the choicest pages and that would negate the value of the purchase. Now in retrospect, again, they could have kept any page they wanted. It still would have been a, a deal worth doing a hundred times over. But the, the, the sad asterisk to all of that is as far as the legend goes, neither of them kept a single page. <laughs> oh. <laughs> they let it all go. So say la vie. Yes. Yeah. Same. Well, I would. I want to get something out of the way so we can elevate instead of uh, drag this ship down. Hey, elevate. Yeah. Uh, as of late, y'all know I've been spending more time on Twitter, much more time than I have in the past, and because of that, I'm exposed to um, the unsavory uh, elements of uh, human beings who work in the comic book uh, arena. Uh, you know you know how Twitter is. Uh, person A will transgress, and then they're called out by a whole bunch of other people for their crimes, and the, the whole cancel culture thing, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm finding it hard, very difficult, because I, I for some reason, I've grown a conscience uh, because you two fools, um, I totally blame both of you because this could mm-hmm. not have happened just by myself. Ah. Um, I'm very reluctant to now throw money at works from uh, created by these people who have transgressed uh, in, in, in many different ways. And it came to a boiling point when one of my favorite publishers was caught um, dealing with that group of people who have their own hashtag and and the unsavory comics people. I'm not going to mention their names. Everybody knows what I'm talking about. And uh, so Dynamite promoted a work that was created by one of these 
ne'er-do-wells. And they got called out for it. Okay, that's transgression number one. Number two, the book uh, in question was written by one of those people that has um, done not nice things. Uh, I guess you'd call this person a predator, right? Okay. So my problem is, as a person who spends uh, a sizable amount of my uh, disposable income on art, because I love it, it, it pumps my blood, it, it, it always has motivated me throughout my entire life, I'm I'm reluctant to throw my... Well, I'm, I'm not reluctant. I, I, I drew a line in saying, well, I guess my favorite publisher is no longer a viable outlet for me because they're dealing with these people. And then down the pipe comes Green Hornet number one. Love Green Hornet. You know how I feel about the pulp characters, right? Um, and it, it's it stings because the art is worth is of a quality that I believe it's worth championing. It's amazing. The art is by Anthony Marquez and Jay Bone. And it's gorgeous. It's it's a it's almost as if CC Beck took a stab at Green Hornet by way of of I would it's it's somewhat Cameron Stewart looking in some spots. Um it's just a rugged pulpy beautifully rendered take on Britt Reed and, and Green Hornet. Um, the story is not anything special. It's, it's, it's average. It's run of the mill, but it's the art that elevates this thing for me. And, and I love looking at it and I want to tell people go out and buy this book because it's just, it's eye candy. It's, it's amazingly gorgeous. But then there's a part of me that's like, it's published by dynamite and it's written by somebody who's done bad things so what do i do how do how do you guys come to come to terms with things like this the the old me would not care mm -hmm. i would just slap the money down and say god damn it i love this sure. art mr Fran francesco uh not francesco um uh what was his name the the one that got uh pulled in for uh kitty porn on his computer Justiniano, oh, yeah. Uh, Francesco is not that. Sorry. No. Um, I would have just thrown the money and said, be happy with, with this. And and a lot of me, a big part of me wants to live in ignorance because then, you know, it's bliss. Everything's happy. Right. No, nobody's yes. doing bad things. Uh, and and I'm just, I get all the art I want and there's no, there's no follow. There's no repercussions. But I, I Take can't. Take back to the younger days. I can't. We can't be like that anymore. So how do you how do you reconcile this this dif these difficulties? Do do you do you draw that line and say f no? I'm not going to support this. I'll let Jason go first. Um, I I don't I I can't tell you that I have a set of doctrine that is un yielding and how I follow through with this kind of thing. I, um, I will say that, um, like there's a couple different layers here. If we're talking about, like, let's talk about dynamite currently. And as you said, dynamite is in hot water at present because their CEO 
is apparently, and I say apparently because I honestly haven't paid a tremendous amount of attention to the to the tales because uh, I just don't honestly don't care enough to, to pay attention. But but from what I gather, it has come to light that he has both uh, overtly in giving work in form of variant covers and writing gigs to known CGers and and covertly in that apparently he has uh, regularly backed both with his time, promotion, and money many of their own uh, publishing initiatives, the CG movement. Um, I, I think it was Berucci, right? Is his name Nick Berucci? I yeah. Believe. Yeah. 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 Um, I don't know Berucci. I looked a little bit of this when the story broke. I saw he gave a speech in February at Comics Pro where he specifically called out how much he hates cancel culture and thinks it's the biggest threat to the industry. Uh, obviously, this was before all of this came to light. Um, I I haven't, unless, again, I, maybe I've missed it, I haven't seen that he has responded in any meaningful way to all of this um, pushback. And when I say pushback, I guess as this has come to light, quite a few creators that uh, either have known linkages to Dynamite or are currently working for Dynamite have come out uh, to express their frustration and sadness and disappointment. Uh, notably, Gail Simone, who did a very well-regarded long run on on, um, on uh, Red Sonja, uh, came out and said how frustrated she was because she considered Nick not only a uh, an employer she enjoyed working for, but also a personal friend. And this was heartbreaking for her. Uh, many others have come out and said either they aren't going to work for, like Mark Russell, they're not going to work for them anymore, uh, so forth, so on. Um, first, I'll say, when it comes to that kind of thing, I'm not going to... Uh, it is not my place, nor do I think it's appropriate for me to tell anybody how they choose to make a living. Um, and I mean that in both directions. Meaning that, like, we do a lot these days on the internet of assumption of knowing what drives other people. Uh, and while I think much of it is well-intended and that it's important that we no longer um, hide behind a cloak of ignorance when it comes to things like bigotry and hate... And we acknowledge it and bring it to the forefront and, and hold people accountable. I think that's all good. But I think there are repercussions that are troubling. Um, if someone's making a living and, and, and that is the best way that they can make a living, it is hard for me to tell them they don't have a right to do that um, for a couple of reasons. One, uh, you know, I don't know their financial situation. And let's not profess to say that the comics industry is just overrunning with opportunities or money. Um, you know, there are only so many, I mean, even though there are a ton of comics that come out in a normal month, there are still only so many spots for writers and artists and colorists and editors and editors and letterers and, and the like. Um, and, and they got bills to pay. They got families to, to support kids to put school pay insurance, right? It's, it's a grind. Most comic creators do not are, are middle class at best, right? Lower middle class, probably in, in most cases, unless they have a spouse who is a decent earner. Um, so, so, man, I have a hard time with this idea of like, okay, now that we know what we think we know about Barucci, the CEO, you're a piece of shit if you continue to work for Dynamite. I, I, I struggle with that conclusion mightily. Um, I, I think we need to have some kind of grace and understanding when it comes to other people's life choices. And if you as a consumer no longer feel comfortable consuming Dynamite, that's also totally your right, and I have no way am I going to tell you you're ridiculous for feeling that way. 
But that being said, I'm also not going to tell you that you're wrong if you want to continue to pick up Dynamite Comics. You know, Dap, you mentioned Christopher Priest, um, who's been writing Vampirella. And, and, and while neither you nor I have, have, have spoken to Priest about this, I, I think we both would, would, would put our hand on the Bible that Priest is not in, into CG for lots of reasons, <laughs> not, the, not the least of which he is a, uh, a proud and politically charged progressive black man. <laughs> so I'm guessing it would shock me if he, if he, held, if he was supportive of those views. But I have not also seen – now, again, correct me if I'm wrong, but I have not seen that he's come out in, in, in opposition to what's going on or said he's not going to do Vampirella anymore. Um, I, I can't be mad at that. I can't be mad at that because I don't know the circumstances. And, and, and where I really struggle with this is uh, – and I know it's a long-winded answer, Vince, but it's getting back to your point about like the creators. Um, like I don't know Dynamite's uh, capital structure because they're a private company. Like I don't know if Barucci was the founder, if he owns the majority of the company – I assume he's a he, he's a majority owner because he's listed as the uh, producer or a producer in all of their uh, their television and film properties. Um, but just because a member of senior management of a corporation has political, moral, or social views that that, that I may find repugnant, I do not think it makes any sense. Personally, and this is just my personal view. Again, I'm not going to. And if you're listening out there who disagree, more power to you. I do not think it makes sense on the surface based on that alone to disregard that company's pro- output. I, I, it, and the reason I say that is because I think you're kidding yourselves out there if you think that there isn't a company that you deal with on a regular basis that doesn't have viewpoints at the top that you find troubling. And I'm saying that whether you're a conservative Republican or a liberal Democrat or somewhere in between. You know, I always use Disney. Um, yes, Marvel is owned by Disney, and, and I'm sure lots of you have issues with the big corporate juggernaut. And I get all that. But I always hear people bring up Ike Perlmutter. Ike Perlmutter is or was the largest single shareholder of, of Marvel. He was the chairman when they sold to Disney. He got the biggest single personal payout, and for a long time he was on the board of Disney. Uh, I hear so many people say, well, I can't support Marvel and Disney because Perlmutter is a, 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 a Trump senior advisor and, a, and an acolyte runs the VA. Um, again, personally speaking, you guys know where I stand on Trump and his cronies. I, I, I have no love loss for Ike Perlmutter. If I saw him in a room, I would not only not shake his hand, I would have choice words for him. Um, but again, like just because he monetizes Marvel doesn't mean that you got to boycott Disney, which employs hundreds of thousands of people, many of which have views that are aligned with yours and they work for the guy. Because they need to pay bills or they get satisfaction in other ways. And they're not wrong for doing it. And by the way, Bob Iger, who was the CEO for Disney for 10, 12 years until just recently, is a dyed-in-the-wool progressive Democrat. So again, like I can see conservatives being like, I'm not supporting fucking Disney because that Iger is a Obama lover. I hate him, right? And yet other people are like, I'm not supporting Disney because Pearl Mutter's a trumper. It's like you have to show some emotional maturity with this stuff. Like you have to separate a corporation's interests and actions from the individual views of a person involved with that corporation, even if that person is at the top. Now, again, if you're listening to this and you're saying bullshit and you want to boycott, you, you know what? You do you. I'm not going to argue with you on it. But I fundamentally believe that if you really peel back the layers, you're, kill, you're kidding yourself because there isn't a company of size and import that doesn't have wide-ranging political spectrum views at the top or among the profiteers. It just, it, it's just the way it is. 
so like you're you're just gonna basically have to sit in your in your room and read comics that you draw and write yourself. Now, <laughs> as to the creators, that's a little stickier, right? And this we've had this kind of uh, version of this conversation many times. Um, whether it be like Dab and I talking about, I'll rock Michael Jackson if it comes on for sure, even though I think there's a good chance he was a child molester. Um, but I don't really find myself listening to R. Kelly much anymore, even though I used to love him. Like it, it's, and, and I don't profess to have a recipe there. It's just what feels right to me. So personally speaking, if I know a creator in comics is, is a CG-er, like, like, like I'm talking about like out and proud, like that's the thing they're rolling with and they identify that way, I got no time for them. Because again, like I think they're they're actively hurting the hobby that I love a lot, and 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 fomenting the negativity in an industry that we don't want to see negativity in. Um, so personally speaking, like that's an easy choice for me. But where I do struggle is again, I don't want to be the kind of person, and I feel like we've all kind of become those people. And I mean, we like I mean society, who like assume we know everything about a person because of one or two data points. And like, I have had so many conversations in the last year where in one part of my life, I've been accused of being too conservative in my viewpoint and same exact issue. I'm being told I'm being too liberal from others. It's, it's just life is full of nuance. Most of these issues are so complicated that it requires sitting around a table with friends, having drinks, having a conversation and hashing it out for a few hours. And yet Things like Twitter, and God love it, I know you're all about the Twitter now, are 280 characters that were then judging an entire person's moral, ethical, and professional code of conduct on because of a data point that someone else is sharing about them. And I really, really struggle with that. So at the end of the day, just do what feels right. And I think as, as, as a show, as people who have a voice in this industry, I think we need to do a better job of not being judgmental for people who consume things and enjoy the consumption of them. I don't have a problem with taking creators or publishers or or editors or, or bad actors to task. I don't. Uh, I don't have a problem with taking people to task who seemingly defend those bad actors in an illogical way. But I think it's ridiculous and it's gone too far that we can't allow people to make their own choices about what kind of content they choose to consume and enjoy. I don't think there's anything inherently unethical about that. And I think it's really, really getting to be a dark place where like people literally are being torn apart. If they like something that was created by someone who someone else thinks isn't ideal. And I, I so I, I just think like you do you and just trust your own moral judgment, man. Like if you like a dynamite comic created by a dynamite, like do it. If you think the creator himself or herself is problematic and that turns you off then so be it like that doesn't mean you have to give up the entire but like don't give up dynamite just because barucci might be a douche like that doesn't make any sense to me i, I really don't think and i'm and i'm just coming this coming from someone who reads like zero dynamite so right. i got no skin in the game but anyway yeah. the only the, i wouldn't I, I i agree as far as the, the the dynamite stuff um over the publisher but in this case it's the writer that would give me pause. Yeah, um, no, I get that. I get that. Yeah. But as it, I, I, we, we need to also, and, and I pretty much, I, I'm not just to say, Oh, I concur. It, it's uh, my, my, my feelings are very much in line with Jason's. I, I, we also need to stop assuming someone knows everything we know. If, if, if we're tuned in, yes. if we're plugged into yes, Twitter, right. 
and we're aware of everything that's going on and 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 who's on the CG hit list and and who who's who's a member of their clique today that doesn't mean everyone else also knows that so if if someone is now if someone were to say I didn't know but now they do and 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 they're fine with it then okay so now you can you again you're 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 voting with your wallet however you want if if you think listen if 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 this artist is down with that and you can either flat out ask them or you know if, it, if you're not sure and you want i i have no problem kicking anything to the curb and and i have um or people but i have no problem i mean there there's 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 products there's there's companies i'll i'll flat out stop supporting buying purchasing whatever if um if if our views don't align and i'm not and, and it doesn't mean i demand people boycott it it doesn't I, i'm not saying other people need to do that as well because i realize people need to live and if 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 i can't judge someone's actions based on how i comport myself so if 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 someone else needs to for it for example, McDonald's. If someone if, if someone needs to eat and they and you know and they want that happy meal, go for it. You know that's that's fine. I if I decide not to for whatever reason, that's me. You're gonna do you. So if, if when it comes to making purchases with your comics, I I am very yeah. There are times where it's not just do I like that writer, do I like that artist, do I like that character? Am I following that story? Okay, great. And I'll look at my budget and I'm like, yeah, I'll get it. Now like I seem to have this other these other eight columns in the spreadsheet where it's like, okay, who they vote for, what are they and I'm like, I don't I don't I don't need all that. I don't need all that baggage. It's cool if we have like some things in common, but that's not where I need to that's not my focus when it comes to 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 buying and, and reading comic books. I it's it's an absolute free country. If you need to work, if if you need to live, if I'm going to draw a comic book for this company because they're going to pay me, that's great. They're taking their money, they're paying you, you need to eat. I earned my money, I'm going to do what I want with my money. Just because and it's not it's not because you're 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 working for someone who may be affiliated with someone who knew someone. And that's not why I'm gonna keep my money. No, I'm gonna keep my money because some, for for any uh, any number of reasons why this item, this project, this this thing doesn't appeal to me. It's I'd like to have as much information as possible because I don't I don't want to be accused of of supporting someone or something. So if if I I try to get as much information as I can so I can make an informed decision and use that moving forward and if i don't know i don't know but i like finding things out but but i'm not going to say well i, I don't want to stop someone and go oh so you still buy that oh well, do you know that it's like dude just, just quit fucking harsh and mellows just just let people enjoy the work they want to enjoy but yeah. I, I i do have a problem at times with with supporting someone who knowingly um i mean how many people do we know we're we're, we're ebaying off their brian wood comics and they're not going to buy Brownwood comics in the future. And it's like, and, and that's, and that's fine. And that's, that's, that's your prerogative. You do you. So I absolutely get it. It's like, listen, there's, here's, here's this awesome artist. who's going to be telling this story that I really, really want to read. 
but it's written by a dude. I just can't stand it. It's it's so so there are it's it's great, man. It's not black and white. There's no binary code. I can't just say these are the things I tick off as to whether or not I'm going to buy this or not. It always will. It's 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 you know, Jason just said with R. Kelly and, and Michael Jackson and, and I it, it's Mel Gibson for me. I mean, there are certain things where it's just like yeah. I can't. I, I, I can't I mean I I can still think back to how like I, I can watch Lethal Weapon One and Two because of where I was when those movies came out and I can think back to those days. But anything new going forward now that I know about you, I can't I can't erase the past. I if, if that's what I was enjoying because I was oblivious to who you were as a person, okay, that's fine. But but now that I know who you are, now yeah, now now now, now you take the goods, and I can't really, I can't enjoy. But but as far as shit from the past, I have no problem with. But it, it's it's now. What do you do with the information you have now? And it always will come down to how you feel about what it is you're 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 consuming. If, as long as you're you're absolutely comfortable knowing that. If if the money you're giving to someone is going to in part like, like Chick Fil A for example, I I'm sure they're a great company to work for, but knowing what or even Hobby Lobby, but knowing what they do with the money, with the profits they make, what 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 organizations they support, I I can't give my money to those companies knowing where that money is going, and 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 but that's me, and that doesn't mean someone else. Has to feel the same way. People love that fucking chicken. That's great. All right, you do you. But I just, it's it's my money, and I need to know. Yeah, I need to have some control over that. But I wouldn't say you're an idiot for doing it. That's see, that, yeah, that ex- everything you're saying is I'm nodding it. But that it's the it's the it's the it's the other part though, right? It's the if you choose, and I'm with you on the Chick Fil A. If you choose not to go to Chick Fil A, I think that's perfectly fine. But I also think. If we're at a con and one of our friends is like, yo, I will house a Chick-fil-A sandwich. I don't think this should be like, oh, this guy's an asshole. I didn't realize right. that. I'm not going to be his friend anymore, right? No. And that's what I feel like I'm seeing a lot more of. And that's 100%. the frustration, you know? Yes. And it's like and, – and like like today, I mean, as we're recording this, Jeff Loeb, all hell broke loose with Jeff Loeb today, right? Um Again, I have no I, – I barely – I who's to say? I, I, don't, I don't know if it's – over time, we'll find out how much meat there is on those bones. But let's say the depictions of him today are accurate and he's a horrible human being and, and, and so forth and so on. Um, I even said this on Twitter. I said, you know, I don't want to see people getting mad if you don't want to sell your hush absolute or your uh, – now why you own a hush absolute is another question. But, uh, or your, um, or, or, or your, your Superman Batman omnibus or, or your Tim Sale books, right? Like, like I, I don't if, – if you – if you've come to some conclusion about Loeb, good or bad, but you love those books, like re- you can still rep those books. Like I don't want to be on the show in a year and I don't know, and Tim Sales our guest and and feel like we can't talk about those books be- or we can't have him on as guest because people be like, I can't believe you're 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 pr- giving props to Jeff Loeb's work. You know, it's like that doesn't make any sense to me. Now, Dap, you make the distinction between what's come, what's already come, and what's to come, and that's fine. That that's cool too. Like. And 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 where I actually think this is quite germane to us and how we have to hold ourselves to a standard, um, we briefly touched on this a few weeks ago that Walmart is putting out a bunch of comics uh, by the Brightwisers, yeah, who are affiliated with with CG, um, loosely. Again, I'm not going to get into the nuances. I mean, I think they, whatever. Uh, I'll leave it up to 
I don't really have a strong opinion about the Bright Watchers one way or the other, but they are certainly unapologetically affiliated with CG and are unapologetically conservative in their political viewpoints. Um, but what? A, so, so again, I personally am not going to be running out to Walmart to buy their books. But what I think is a very possible thing, because we do have a vibrant Facebook group with thousands of members and new people join every week, and we have a vibrant Twitter following and, 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 a, and, a, and a large listenership, I could envision a scenario where someone comes into our Facebook group in the next couple months and says, yo, uh, I, you know, I do a post every week called the best thing I read this week, right? And then everybody else chimes in about the best thing that they read this week. I could totally see in a month or two, someone comes in and says, yo, I just read Bass Reeves by Kevin Graveau and David Williams, and it was the bomb. Or The Futurist by Patrick Stiles and Butch Geist was phenomenal. And I'm fearful that a person comes in and says that, and rather than folks either ignoring it or saying, oh, cool, what's it about? We're going to have 20 people, to your point, Dab, assuming that the person posting that, A, knows that their books by a publishing company affiliated with CG, number one, and two, are thus aligned philosophically and politically <laughs> with CG. And be like, oh, bro, I see where you're coming from. Oh, I'm not like, oh, okay, I, I get you. Yeah, I bet that was the best thing you read this week. You know, like, and, and I, I genuinely think that would be a possibility. And that really bums me out because I think when you're talking about putting comics in Walmart, there are going to be tons of people. And hopefully, and that's one of the ideas, of it, it, where there's going to be a lot of kids who these are the first comics they ever read. Mm-hmm. And these are not politically laced books full of conservative or, or hate speech propaganda. They're just superhero comics created by people who feel as though they no longer have a place in the big two for whatever reasons they feel that way. So I guess what I'm saying is like, we have to hold ourselves accountable to that too. Cause like, like now if, if you come in repping the rhetoric and the CG rhetoric and stuff, that's different, you know, then be prepared to have pushback. But like, we can't assume that because someone tells us that they love red rooster by Mark Pellegrini, that, that we get who they are and are giving them a side eye from day one. Like maybe they just genuinely are oblivious like most people about the inner workings of comics and they came across the book at a Walmart and thought, this is cool, there's comics at Walmart and bought it and read it and liked it. Maybe that's all it was and they wanted to come and share their excitement for a book right. that they dug with us. Yep. And yep. that's what we should be doing. It's like, oh, that's cool. Yeah, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Yeah, I haven't read that. You know, We don't need to put the... The editor's note, no, I haven't read that and I'm not going to because it's yeah. written by a bunch of, you know, like, that's the thing I think that, that we need to, like, we need to be, we need to be better about it ourselves or at least be careful we don't fall into that too because, because I do think there is a mob mentality and you started off your soliloquy by saying, you know, we can't assume that everybody is as plugged in as we are and that's like a thousand times yes because we spend six nights a month talking for hours about comics. We spend every day of our lives communicating online with friends and each other about comics. We care about this industry in a way that is abnormal, even for a fanatical industry. Like most people reading comics, even today are oblivious to most of this shit. Like most people, more people that read comics than don't have never heard of CG. Like they don't even know what it is. So like, we just need to be mindful of that and stop looking for the worst in people based on the first anecdote we find that doesn't align with our own worldview. I'm such Howard Stern. I squeeze the good, good juice out of both of you so easy. It's amazing. Uh, I'm glad I brought this up. <laughs> oh, I am too. It's, it no, was, I'm glad you've we've, we've, we've everything we've said as we we we've, we've has been 
inserted in other conversations we've had over the past few months. So none of this is should be new to anybody listening. If if you are new, if if uh, if this is your second episode because you listened to our Roy Thomas Arama, then greatest uh, We you know this this isn't a usual episode, but it, it's one of those things where I think. I don't know if we need to remind people every month or every quarter, but yeah, it, there are times where, um, because again, I mean, today was Jeff Loeb. It's, it's like, okay. I mean, I, I love the shit out of Marvel's daredevil on Netflix and, and my man had a hand in that. Now it's like, so, I mean, it, that doesn't, that's not ruining my enjoyment. If I decide to watch the first couple seasons again, I might now know, okay, well, this is where they kind of did that. But, it's, it's it's every day we're probably going to find someone else is is loosely is 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 a bad person because they've they've behaved poorly in the past and if someone makes off color again it's one of those things where you read the room it's it's the whole thing with with the Me Too movement and 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 all the the predators where we've been finding out about over the past few months it, someone may have said something that you find offensive now again it's all in context if 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 they made a um if if they were in a group of friends having some drinks and and it's 25 years later and and they they make a um an on 11 joke depending on who else is there maybe their friends will go get some groans or maybe someone will chuckle if it's if it's September twelfth, and someone makes that joke, then yeah, then 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 we got a problem. So it's it's one of those things where if you find out someone you're a fan of, um, basically it's just don't meet your heroes. But this this may come up every so often as we find out uh, someone else we're we're fans of, or especially I mean, we just got done talking about the authority in the book of the month and it's like three weeks later, we're like not even three weeks later, yep. it's like, hey, did you hear about oh, okay. Yep. So it's and and that's and that's something else Jason touched on this today. It's it's like so so now that we've discussed Warren Ellis and we all appreciate Warren's writing, knowing how he's treated women, it's like if someone decides to dig that episode up six months or six years from now, are they just going to take that episode as uh, on its own and assume that the three of us think women are just amusing playthings? It's uh, just because of our not even association sure. with Warren Ellis because we talked about his book. How, so how many times did I praise Brian Wood, my cousin, I used to call yeah, him before yeah. all this happened, right? I mean, yeah, and there and are again, things. I, I, I the... still think Brian Wood's a phenomenal writer, but I, I don't talk about it anymore because in that case, I viewed it as a, like the stuff he was doing on a personal level bothered me. So there are plenty of other comics. And also too, like I think with Loeb, you know, and, and again, maybe this is what I justify things, but, but y'all may, may think it's, it's hypocritical. Loeb was a hired gun, a Marvel executive in charge of a big bureaucratic enterprise that involved thousands of people from writers to, to key grips, to makeup artists, to actors, to scripters, to, you know, the technical effects people. I mean, a Netflix show like Daredevil involved thousands of jobs, tens of thousands of man hours, many, many thousands of salaries and and and, and supporting a family. So um, it's not like Jeff Loeb owns it. 
It's not his property. It's not like he was making the vast preponderance money. This is not Kirkman with Walking, Walking Dead. So, yeah, like, okay, so it looks like he may be a D-bag. But, but that, that – I don't see – I mean, that's – he's one person – you know, like, like Harvey Weinstein was awful and deserves to be in prison. But I'll rep for Miramax Films till the day I die because he wasn't – he was the money behind it. Yeah, but, like, he wasn't the creative vision, man. Like, he didn't yeah. direct it or – produce it or act in it and all of those people that put in their heart and soul into those works of art still made those works of art and like they still deserve to be praised for it deserve to have their money so you know like to me the Loeb thing is an easier choice Mm -hmm. versus like in a comic where you have two or three people sometimes one if it's a writer or writer artist that's a little trickier sometimes for me personally like just because it, it seems more direct right like like Terry Moore who by all accounts is an amazing human being you know, if I were to hear some horrible shit about Terry Moore, well, uh, like every dollar of of a book <laughs> you buy for for him is is in his pocket, right? So yeah. okay, like like a lot of people kind of moved on from Dave Sim because love or hate Dave Sim, if you if you buy a Dave Sim comic, it's Dave Sim getting the money, right? So yeah, like and again, that's just the way I kind of like it, I would balance those out, but I'm not saying my my way's right. It's right for me. It's right for me. It's, it may not be right for you. So that was there you go, Vince. that was cathartic. Um, yeah, I'm. Uh, come on, I, I'm the the least. Uh, I've said for years and years and years. Uh, I've professed my love for H.P. Lovecraft. My views do n- yeah. nowhere near come close to his. But I, I admit he is the greatest writer, horror writer of all time. And and I, right. I yeah, I worship at that altar just because of his craft, not the person he was. Uh, so yeah, it's it is a little it's troublesome, but uh, I guess we just have to navigate those waters uh, on a lake by lake basis. Yes, is, uh, yeah, it's not just one be size kind to each other as fans as well as I think. Like just don't just don't play the string out to fandom. You know, l- let someone be a fan of something. As I mean, you know, there are of course re- exceptions, but I mean, generally speaking, don't look to cancel other fans because they're like not dropping something like a lead balloon you know i mean honestly just be excellent to each other precisely yeah so So we're gonna talk about comics yeah let's talk about some damn good comics all right uh i for whatever reason i've been reluctant to uh dip my big toe into the dc digital first uh realm uh just because digital is not my preferred reading format so i largely ignored these these things as they were coming out uh but one name bubbled to the surface as i was doing my perusals and i had to investigate and so uh i read uh harley quinn black and white and red chapter five written and drawn by the maestro the amazing riley rossmo have you read it jason I have not. It's a quick read. Um, yeah. It's it's basically a um, a retelling or a telling of it's a fairy tale, a, a bedtime story slash fairy, a, fairy tale of uh, Harley Quinn's past, present, and future. Mm-hmm. It's outlandish. It's extreme. It's so over the top. It's ridiculous. It's very skewed. Because uh, Harley is the one telling the tale. It begins with the moment that Slippery Sperm kissed the egg and it 
careens out of control. There's one section where Harley's the captain of a starship uh, in, in a Star Trek-like setting. It's amazing. It, it's, a, it's a cool, no heavy lifting story, but the absolute joy in this is the visuals. Uh, and I said to you guys in uh, on the Slack, if selling my soul to the devil was a real thing, I would think long and hard about, you know, brokering a deal if I could have Riley Rossmo's talent. The guy is just in, he's incomparable. He's amazing. The the figure work in this book, the this, the dot patterns, the color work, it, it's it's outstanding in every respect. It is without a doubt one of the shortest but best Harley Quinn stories I've I've read ever. And largely because of the visuals. Like I said, the story, it's fun, it's goofy, it's everything a Harley Quinn story should be, but it's it's not earth-shattering, well in some parts it is. Um but it's just a f- it's watching a consummate talent, an amazing graphic artist doing what they do, and it's it's like a, it's it's like a symphony. It's gorgeous. Dap, you th- feel the same way? One hundred percent. It it's I. I will just say that I. I've read. I read three, four, and five. Um, flipped through, skimmed, got the gist of number one, and and um, I haven't, I haven't, um, I barely started number two. This series, it's a weekly series. It has it one hundred percent has gotten better with each issue that comes out. Um, it, it, there is no number five is absolutely the best one. Uh, four I really liked. It, it, it four looks great. Each one, each each week, you get a um, a new chapter written and drawn, usually by the same person. Number four was actually written by um, Tim Seeley. Tim Seeley and uh, and illustrated by um, Juan Ferreira, and it is it's gorgeous. It it, it it's a rap battle, um, and and Harley kicks butt on it. It's but it is it's. I mean, I was I was kind of hooked when 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 I when I saw the tweet uh, six or so weeks ago, and they were teasing you know this this new weekly series, and you were seeing some of the creators attached to it. And as soon as you, I mean, you say you see black, white, and red, and I get it, you know, it's it Batman black and white, so the DC is funded themselves. But you you put black, white, and red on on a title with something, and I mean, you've got me for one. I mean, you know what I'm attached to with that. So I'm sure I was going to check it out. Um, the first issue is probably I, I I agree with what you said yesterday. It, it's it's it, I'm going to, and I'm going to say it's the weakest of the five so far. And and but even that it's it's not a it's not a bad story at all. It's it's a very it's a it's touch. Oh, no, it's not a touching story. It's it's a story where um, they're trying to get information from Harley. Uh, she's in Arkham Asylum and. Uh, she's being questioned, sort of interrogated, and and they're 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 just trying to solve this this riddle that she basically has thrown out there. Um, and if you're a Harley fan, you're you know what the code word implies, and and it it, it plays out at the end, and and it looks great, and it's 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 a very straightforward story. They're all they're all done in one stories, um, and. 
I think five looks the best. It's a great story because it's it's yeah it's it's Harley telling a bedtime story and it's the story of Harley and it is it's it's great it it really does look amazing I I, I love Riley's Batman um, and even I mean and 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 there's little visual things throughout throughout the issue where where Harley is um, before Harley dies and, and, and she's surrounded by her friends and, and Batman and Catwoman are back there looking all elderly. And of course, Ivy is, is still young and, and fresh, but there's, there's plastic man and he has kids because apparently, uh, those are, um, well, it, it, it's, you need to see it. You need to read it. You need to see it for yourself. Um, yeah, it's, it's a gorgeous issue. I, I, the focus here is chapter five. I wanted, I, I once I read chapter five, because uh, they've been piling up for me, I, I wanted to see just how different they were each week. I wanted to know if there was some sort of maybe overlying connecting plot thread uh, that that you'll get from within the next, I think it's 14 or 16 weeks. But however, it's, there's, they have a set, date for 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 when these these chapters wrap up so i wanted to know if if there was anything that kind of if there was like a crypt keeper that was kind of narrating it or, or setting the stage for each issue but no they they all they're all on their own and and they're they've they've all been a lot of fun and and i think the artists involved like you got you got mirka on on one of them i think they all they all have a lot of fun with this character and um and if, if of course you know paul dini's had his say with the character Jimmy and Amanda have done amazing things with the character. And that's probably where a lot of people are mostly connected with her. Um, but seeing other creators have a go at her and, and for just 20, 22, 25 pages. Um, and it is a digital book. So it's, it's, it's all widescreen. Um, but that doesn't, uh, that shouldn't, that's not a detraction. I don't think it just, it, it's the fifth issue is, absolutely gorgeous and a lot of fun um that i was trying to think before i got off track was that i wanted to see how different each one was and and i think i think the series overall as a whole um would be entertaining there are uh there are worse ways to spend a handful of minutes um this is this is absolutely this is a super bright spot um during this pandemic that that DC did is is um, unleashing this every week. I, I 100% recommend it. Well, I think the series is noteworthy, not only because of the novel format, the landscape format, but in every instance, save the first with Mr. Sajic, to my eyes, it seems like each of these visual artists have pushed their style into um, their exploring. It seems like in, in a lot of instances that maybe the creative chains have been at least loosened where they can just go hog wild. I have never seen Mirka Andolfo look as good as she does in, in part two. It, there just seems to be a, a devil may care approach to these works that you can tell that the artist is having fun. Yes. But that it seems to me that they're challenging themselves to do something unlike 
the things they've produced in the past. Like even Riley, who's who's very his visual shorthand is magnificent. He's at the point now where the marks he make makes are so distilled down to the barest essence. Yeah, he does a lot of visual flourishes with the dot pattern and the the the, the colors swipes and the, the the ratty stuff, but he only puts down what he th- knows will work in each instance, right? And he's he's crafted this approach from experience. This is not the Riley Rosso Riley Rossmo who did proof. It's in the ballpark, but this is a more uh confident, more uh risk taking Riley Rossmo. And you can see it. It's it's on the page. It's it's expressionistic and it's explorative and it's he's it it looks like he's pushing the boundaries of where his style left off on the last book and just like so the 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 closest thing i can describe this to is martian manhunter it's 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 not as reined in to use that term reined in with riley is just stupid um it's the approach on on Martian Manhunter was more traditional, in keeping with um, the look of of mainstream books, which doesn't apply to Riley at all. So I don't know where I'm going with this, but the the style of Martian Manhunter is close to this, but it's like he opened the door to a, another room, a bigger room, where yeah. where anything is possible, and it's it's very graphic, not explicitly graphic very graphic visually there's explosions and and pieces of things flying all over the panels there's isolated moments in time that he uses panel borders within panel borders to express those moments in time it's just outstanding stuff like i I don't want to say he's far better than most of his peers but it's aliens it's aliens is what i'm saying yeah yeah, the the um, when I think of the Martian Manhunter stuff, except when he was drawing John in his natural form, the I like I could I would expect if any racer might come out and 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 he'd he'd fix something in Martian Manhunter in with with, with chapter five. It's like if I don't I don't notice any mistakes, but I he was a lot more free and just wherever. Wherever the ink goes, that's where. And obviously, he's got control over his line, so he knows where it's going. But there wasn't. It is. It 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 may look messy, but it it's it is. It's just. It's a very it's a very deliberate, uh, style, and and it gives, it it elevates the story because the story she's telling. It. it I mean, you could it could have looked very you know almost like everybody looks like something out of untangled or 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 uh, nintendo characters like she should if you're telling a fairy tale story you could have had little cherub looking characters throughout the entire thing but this this is a hartley story and and he he went he went crazy and and i'm i'm so happy he did the only the only artist i think that is kind of sticks to his style is um Javier Rodriguez in uh, in the third chapter, which was written um, 
by Saladin Ahmed. So three How of them. I've read this. Jesus, I love all these artists. Christ. I do. Yeah. Um, the Rodriguez story is 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 probably the most um, straightforward expected. It, it's it's a story where um, three goons are telling a story on on how they each on, on how they acquired this gas canister that uh, that they had to they have to um deliver to their boss and and each one is telling a story on how they knocked out harley quinn and and all three dudes stories are different and then and then harley shows up at the end and and, and she takes care of business but um that i could see actually i mean you could i would expect to read that in 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 a batman anthology and it looks like it would aside from being black and white it looks like it would um it would be in that in that setting drawn by you would expect this looks like Javier's work and 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 again that's not that's not a slight either it's just all the other artists have kind of just taken off like well, I said you know they've just they've they've they loosened their ties and they've just tried to they're, they're having fun with it and um and yeah I think I I cannot wait for this to be collected and then I wonder because I know that um that DC has um, collected um, DC has collected the the Batman Adventures digital first into into a comic, and I don't, but they don't turn it into a landscape book. So I just I want this to be collected. Oh, I, I think it would want. demand the landscape format. I don't see how I, they could do this any other way. Yeah, it would have to be. It would have to be bound on the uh, on the the side, not the regular, uh, like a, a vertical spine, like normal. It just wouldn't work. I just hope it's not paperback. I would love a hardcover of this. But mm. again, oh, I mean, shit, that's yeah. that's. I mean, I don't want to. I'm not trying to play armchair publisher. It's just this is. I'm. I'm. I can't wait for. And it's every Friday. I can't wait for this Friday's book. Uh, I um. I don't know who the artist is coming up but yeah i'm not i'm not gonna i'm not going to wait on these now i'm not gonna let this this pile up i'll um well it better be kirby because there's no way they're gonna be able to follow riley <laughs> ross they, they should just reprint this one for the next 12 weeks seriously just duplicate it for the rest of the, the run it. yeah um next week we'll yeah. have it in in yellow and the week after that we'll have it in blue that's fine i wouldn't mind uh, it's it's such a revelation it's unbelievably good Damn, I need I need to get him on this with the quickness. Yeah, yeah. I'm lucky. I think we're lucky. Uh, we didn't read the first one first because if I did, I'd be yeah. like not having that. Yeah, not, I mean, you know. And and but that's I don't want to slight Mr. Sedgwick, but it's I don't think chances were taken with with his chapter. It's 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 not. There's nothing bad about it. It's just I don't think it it has the the frontier spirit that the other ones have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. Okay. Yeah. It is. It's it's uh, it'll be 14 weeks because according to the description, uh, 14 tales of Gotham's craziest clown princess are presented in nothing but black, white, and bold splashes of red. See Harley and Ivy attempt to break into Superman's fortress of solitude. See how Harley's story unfolds in worlds beyond the DC universe. In the alternate timelines of Batman, White Knight, Harleen, and the Harley Quinn animated series. So, um, an incredible array of Eisner Award-winning creators from across the comics <laughs> industry have put their reputations in jeopardy by bringing you these stories. So, yeah. Can't wait. Kicking their careers into high gear, more like it. 
Really? Right? Yeah. So there you go. That's that's the first one. <laughs> <laughs> Almost two hours later. <laughs> yeah. What else we got? Well, in keeping with the theme of artists evolving, stretching themselves, being good fits, um, a month or two ago, we spoke about Dave Chisholm's Canopus. Yes. Um, and I think the consensus was we very much enjoyed the effort for what it was. Um, but, um, you know, it was it was visually um, a science fiction book and it was it was good. But then I read what I'm about to talk about. And to your guys point, like this was this book is what. Dave Chisholm was meant to create art for. Mm. Um, and this book is, is not out yet, but we were provided uh, review copies, advanced review copies to uh, hopefully get some of you all to pre-order it. Um, it's not due out until September. Um, but that, but again, you can pre-order it now. Uh, and that is chasing the bird, a Charlie Parker graphic novel. Um, now, why do I say what I say about, this being a better fit for Chisholm. Well, okay, let's go back. Um, I didn't know Dave much at all. Um, and a fellow art collector, um, put up on his calf gallery, a few absolutely jaw droppingly beautiful, complex, visually arresting geographic, um, geographic geometric, um, pieces that were music, musician based, um, on his calf. And lo and behold, they were commissions he commissioned from Dave Chisholm. And uh, that turned me on to his, his, his art, and I began looking around. And it seemed as though he had a penchant for, uh, in particular, illustrating musicians, making commissions of musicians. Um, well, it turns out that uh, Dave is not only a fantastically talented uh, artist, but he is uh, also a world-renowned jazz musician. In fact, he has a doctorate in jazz. Um, and uh, teaches jazz uh, at a college. So who knew? So so jazz music is probably as much, if not a bigger passion for him than uh, than creating comics. And I hear you. As this, what's that? I hear you. <laughs> <laughs> as the story goes, uh, Dave was approached by uh, the Parker Estate, Charlie Parker's family. Um, with, uh, with Parker's, uh, 100th, what would have been his 100th birthday, uh, looming, they wanted, uh, they approached Dave about doing a biographical gra or a graphic novel, uh, in honor of him. And he accepted kind of a dream, perfect project of, of, of someone's interests. Uh, I think very analogous to, uh, Pisker doing hip hop, right? Family trait, like. He was a hip hop expert and he made a comic about something he was an expert in. And it was a, a beautiful synthesis of, of his passions. And I think that that's what this is as well. Um, I cannot begin in a podcast where we talk and don't show to describe what he's done on these 144 pages. Um, it's it, getting back to cannabis, whereas cannabis is cool like you can't help but look at these pages and not feel as though Chisholm's heart was exploding with joy as he was putting this down on paper. 
the passion and knowledge he has for Bird and everyone around him is so uh, so evident that I don't care if you're not into biocomics generally. I don't care if you're not a jazz fan. You're going to read this and feel better for it and feel as though you need to go and after you're done with the book, listen to Charlie Parker music because it is a masterpiece. And I know we have to – I know we're prone to hyperbole. I know we say lots of things are amazing. Uh, number one, because we have great taste, so a lot of things are amazing. Number two, in this case, it's true. It's absolutely a breathtaking effort. It really and truly is incredible. And um, it's done so well. And, and one of the things I think that's so smart is the, the, the subtitle of the book is uh, Charlie Parker in California. And this is a very specific period of Bird's life. Starts in December 1945 when they go to L.A., they were touring musicians, as most were back then. They toured, They did 300 performances a year. They made their way to L.A. for performances. And as the story goes, uh, Parker decides to stay in L.A. Uh, against the, the wishes of, of his loved ones. Uh, and he stays in L.A. And he stays in L.A. for two years and goes on uh, both a very tumultuous personal journey, but also... Um, for those of you that know his music, one of his most profoundly important periods as a musician. Uh, and, and the book basically chronicles those two years. Uh, it starts off with them on the road and the first narrator. Uh, each chapter of the book is told through the narrator's perspective, um, which I love. It's, it's not like you're not reading Parker's view of things. You're reading the narrator's view of what was happening to Parker in those moments. And so uh, you could probably guess who the first narrator is. Vince, would you want to take a guess? Um, no idea. Dizzy Gillespie. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it makes sense, right? Yes. So it, it's Dizzy Gillespie and it's Dizzy and you see this push-pull of Dizzy being the grown-up in the room, right? The one that's always making sure they're at the gigs, making sure they're getting paid trying to keep bird focused and on stage and um, dealing with his demons. Uh, uh, for those of you who don't know anything about Charlie Parker, he was an incredibly talented genius musician, but also like many incredibly talented artistic people. Uh, he made his work largely under the influence of massive amounts of, of drugs. <laughs> um, he was, a, he was an addict through and through. Um, and Dizzy was not. Dizzy was a family man, and and uh, and it was a struggle. And so the first chapter is all about their journey to L.A. And then ultimately, like like Dizzy saying, "All right, it's time to go back to New York," and Bird saying, "Not going back to New York. I hocked my plane ticket, and I'm staying here." And Dizzy being crestfallen and heartbroken, but but accepting that that's not he's not going to change his opinion. And then we go from there to each chapter is titled based on the narrator. So the second chapter is, uh, is, is entitled Zorthian, and it chronicles this massive party uh, by an artist, Jira Zorthian. Uh, and then there's a small chapter uh, called Claxton, uh, and then there's a chapter called Russell, which is about uh, dial record to Ross Russell and their time together where he was recording some of the, the songs that are now definitive Parker Staples. Uh, and it goes from there, and it, um, it's 144 pages, 
and and it has a beginning and an end because it just chronicles this per, this 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 one snapshot of his life artistically uh and each chapter is com- and this kind of gets back to you made me think of this when you mentioned Rosmo each chapter is completely different both in color scheme layout aesthetic line weight even though Chisholm draws the whole thing each chapter feels and reads it reads more like an anthology it reads like each chapter was drawn by a different artist um and and again it's it's such an achievement i mean some of the chapters are like um like darwin cook parker novels where it's just very muted one or two monotone washes over strong black lines others are painted it's just it's it's an incredible effort i mean i would imagine i don't know what chisholm's going to do after this because like i can't imagine any other project he's ever asked to do will uh, be as close to his own heart. But man, oh man, um, unfortunately, as you all listen to this, and I have you hyped, you can't read it yet, <laughs> but you can order it. Uh, you can pre-order it uh, through previews. Um, you can also uh, order it on the Amazon if you're not a a, uh, a previews orderer. Um, it's $29.99 cover price, so you're going to get your obligatory discount. I think it's like a 30 35% discount um, through our normal because it's a small publisher, so it's it's not uh, you're not going to get like the the one but Marvel forty five fifty percent off discount. Uh, it's by Z two Comics, um, but yeah, it's 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 incre- it's truly incredible. I I can't see it not being Eisner worthy. Um, I'm calling my shot on that uh, for next year. Um, and uh, so once again, it's called Chasen apostrophe the Bird, a Charlie Parker graphic novel written and drawn by Dave Chisholm. And I believe um, if you order the if you, I believe that I have to double check this, but I'm pretty sure it actually comes with an album, hmm. which is pretty neat. You mean a CD? So, no, an album, a vinyl album. No kidding. Yeah. Now I have yeah. questions. Oh, oh, here you go. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm looking here. There's a deluxe limited edition, which I think is what I ordered, and it includes a, a vinyl 45 with two tracks. So cool. Um, my questions. Question: How did hmm. you get your hands on this? Okay, so, um, well, I know, I've gotten to know Dave personally. He was going to send me and then to share with you all copies uh, to review. And literally the day he sent it to me, he then hit me back like an hour later saying, you can't talk about this on the show. I wasn't supposed to send it to you yet. And that was some time ago. And I forgot all about it. I'm so like, you're, just, you're just assuming? No, no, no. no. Oh, okay. No, no. So I think, though, that, that what must have happened is he must have just put me on the Z2 press uh, kit, I didn't know you guys didn't receive this. Is my point. I assumed we all did, but uh, but by your question, I'm guessing I was the only one that received it. And I got an email like we get for all the other publishers that said, "Hey, uh, we got this graphic novel coming out. We'd love for you to promote it if you if you feel like it's worth promoting." And uh, it was a PDF of the book, so I will I will happily share that with you uh, post haste. Because close the barn door, the horse ran away. My goodness, I'm looking at these pages, right? And it reminds me the the way that he uses uh, geometric shapes emerging from the instruments because geometry is math and math is music, Mm -hmm. right? It reminds me a lot of Sienkiewicz's approach to the Jimi Hendrix um, graphic novel back in the day. Mm. Have you read that? No. Well, I mean, as a ch- as an artist, it's a challenge. How do you render something as abstract as music, right? 
more often than not, you mm-hmm. use use geometric forms, and I love that approach. I think it looks when it's well done like this. I think it works so well. Um, but yeah, I would I would say that he's obviously he's not the same uh, in style as as Sinkevich, but the approach is very sound and very much the same. So I think uh, from what I see here, yikes, it looks great. Yeah, it does. So yeah. sweet, and it's in the zone for me mm-hmm. yep because mm-hmm. if i had to pick music or comics uh i don't know it would get out of here i've always said it yeah yeah uh, i know always yeah, yeah i think that's <sighs> i'm a phd dude all right okay <laughs> just saying <laughs> Uh, so my cute. goodness yeah this is a keeper yeah good job dave i'm and, gonna uh and peter forward, markowski for this tail right now sweet um you mind if uh dap and i do a little bit of superman love do i mind You're so cute <laughs> mine will be quick i just want to get this off my chest mm. um i, I again in in continuing my DC Digital First investigation, I read some Superman because I haven't been in a stretch. Uh, this is called Superman, Man of Tomorrow, number 13. Written by Robert Venditti, illustrated by David LaFuente. Get out of town. With color art by Luis Guerrero. R- again, real simple story done in one. Uh, the pranksters being transferred to Metropolis uh, sends a message to the planet he wants Lois and only Lois to tell his story and Lois is not one to shirk uh, a hot tip so she piggybacks on the prisoner transfer it turns out the pranksters being given a dose of his own medicine he has no idea why Lois is there uh, doesn't know why she's there doesn't know who told her to be there he's 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 in the dark, right? But um, he is the prankster, and he's he's resourceful. So he planned this this thing where this giant hammer swings out from underneath an underpass, and bam! It it knocks the prisoner transport kablooey. Uh, the the escorts that were um, motorcycle escorts are were taken up in bubbles, so they're they're spirited away from the scene. Um, and then these giant marbles come from out of nowhere and they're they're careening down the metropolis streets so superman has to deal with these giant marbles at the expense of his wife um and he's pissed because his gal's in danger right um the the uh crux of it is the prankster used these giant marbles to keep big blue busy while he made his escape you know it doesn't work that way these guys are so stupid. Like, why would they even try it? So Superman um, deals with the marbles. And in the meantime, the prankster is like, how did Superman know that that this was going to happen? Some One of you goons tipped him off. Like, he starts grilling his his lackeys. Like, somebody told him. You, you, you tipped off somebody. I can't trust anyone. And so Superman saves the day as as usual, and um, Lois plays uh, dead, in quotes, until the prankster spills the beans. Turns out the prankster's wife 
gave him a dose of his own medicine. She pranked <laughs> the prankster. She did. She sent Lois to this, uh, to his uh, uh, transfer, knowing full well that she's in Superman's back pocket, and that Superman would thwart any kind of escape attempt that uh, the prankster would make. Simple story, very old timey. Um, again, there's there's really no baggage at all with it. But uh, as with the Harley, the real joy of this thing is La Fuente's artwork. It is amazing. I love big-footed Superman. La Fuente has a tendency to make feet bigger, larger yes. than... than yes. He exaggerates feet. And I think it looks great on Superman. It gives him a stability, a, a, a foundation, like a rock-solid foundation. He is the the greatest superhero ever, at least in the DC universe, right? So um, I think it works really well. The colors are, are phenomenal. Uh, it was a worthy purchase. And it, it was just candy for my comic book love and soul. I, I can't really um, embellish it any more than that. It was a super fun book featuring characters I've I've enjoyed reading for a long time. It's great. That is great. I'm glad. Yeah, it's fun. I haven't... Um, was that also in Landscape? No. Okay. No. Um... Yeah, that was. I, I haven't um, haven't dipped my toe into the um, Man of Tomorrow yet. It's it's very light. You can you can read it sure. be- between things, and and you're not going to get you're not going to have the the food coma uh, like you would after a really big comic book meal. It's just it was just a worthy read. I I, I found it very uh, invigorating. I like it. Yeah. That's great. So what you got Superman related? Um, I, I got a couple of few things because I was catching up. Um, and I started with um, Superman because that was, I had read 21 and um, and then it took a minute for uh, for 22 to come out and then 23 I read shortly thereafter but um 21 wraps up um finally more or less the um not really it it's it's part 4 of truth and it's it's um it's superman fighting mongol um because mongol is is trying to destroy the um united planets and uh and it's gorgeous double page spreads by um Ivan Weiss and and uh Joe Prado and and Aclara Albert on inks it's great story while it's happening while 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 superman's in space um Bethany Snow shows up and knocks on the door of uh at the Drake hotel of um where Lois Lane is staying so she can write her book. And, um, and this is after, uh, Superman basically in, in, in his way of saying, you know, earth is under his protection. And when the other delegates from the other planets wanted to make sure that, you know, everybody there represents their planet. Superman basically said, I'm, I'm speaking on behalf of earth and that, he said that before 
he revealed himself to the world. And then once that little tidbit came out after he revealed himself, it was just, it was a nice little snowball of, of a bunch of unfortunate incidents that could have been probably controlled or contained on their own. But with, when, when my man doesn't have any breathing room and, and, and can't sit down and, and talk to people because he's being attacked in space from someone who's trying to destroy everything. Um, other people are going to assume the worst or, or, or uh, think they know what he meant and just, and, and blow it up out of proportion in, in, in typical, almost sitcom fashion. Like, you know, that episode of three's company where there's a big misunderstanding, you know, that one. So they, they have, um, when the fight wraps up when when superman is able to um vanquish mongol and uh he ends up he's able to um to make it back home in the um in the finale in in, in number 22 um and while this is again while he's still in space it's, it's, it's two issues while they're having this huge knockdown drag out um and after Bethany Snow leaves. Um, we get a uh, we get an agent chase from uh, from the FBI showing up because she's that now she's here to say basically um, that she, she's there with a message to Superman: no more mistakes. Um, you know, cause, cause there's, we, Superman can't basically speak for everybody on the planet. There, there are, there are things that need to be, there are the people that need to be involved before proclamations like that, um, are made. And again, it was taken out of context and, and anybody who knows Superman knows what, you know, knows what he meant, even if, even if what you heard wasn't perceived the way um, he intended, but but Superman comes back home um, and has a nice moment with Lois before she has the chance to before she just tells him what's been going on the past couple of days. But number twenty three is weird because um, twenty two and twenty three are, are illustrated by. Um, Kevin McGuire with some uh, beautiful John Tim's art in number 23. But these um, Superman goes to um, goes to the Hall of Justice and he um, he needs a session with Dr. Fate. Um, and, and this is what I appreciate about Bendis's take on Superman revealing himself and and uh, giving up his his secret identity, um, it may not all happen in one issue, uh, and and some people may take issue with that. But uh, he actually did think things out, and and you know if 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 Superman does this, how will this affect something else and 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 bendis seems to look at the whole the big picture understands the domino effect things like that and and so um superman wants to meet with dr fate 
because he um he he wants to there were people in Superman's life that want to make sure that him revealing himself uh wasn't the work of um of anyone else he's not being manipulated there's there's no giant mastermind or puppet master putting him through these motions that he's doing this on his own volition um and and he and the new dr fate it's not kent uh his name is uh khaled and he um or khalid he um you know, Superman's just basically looking for a mystical checkup. I want to make sure, you know, everything's fine. And and he then goes into, he just opens up about how something else that, that kind of bugged him is that he didn't get to see John grow up. He, you know, he let his dad take him into space. And, well, it was a few weeks for him and Lois. John comes back and, and he's 10 years older. And, and he missed all of this. And, um... And so he's just, you know, so Dr. Fate is also playing psychiatrist and, and, and Superman just finally lets out that I wanted to watch my son grow up. You know, he finally, he was becoming a young man that I could really help mold and talk to. And, and then all of that was taken from him. And, and, um, and then Superman's like, I don't blame Jor-El. And he's like, and, and so Dr. Fate is like, you don't need to blame. You can just be mad. And Superman's like, no, I, I can't. And, um, He's like, okay, you've, you, you, you can, you can just be, you can let things get to you. You, you may not, don't act on them, but you're, you're as human as you can be. It's okay to feel certain things. You, You don't always have to be on. You, you're going to have moments where you're going to be disappointed or, and, and, and that's okay. But while all this is happening, this new big bad named Xanadoth shows up, um, who's pretty menacing looking, but uh, we don't know he Xanadoth is hosted by a uh, by a woman who works for uh, who's a DEO agent, and she shows up at Madame Xanadu's place, and um, and is a explosion that happens at at xanadu's and that's the last we see of madame xanadu so i don't know we don't know what happened to her by the end of of issue 23 but but 23 had some cool moments of introducing a new character a new villain and um and superman just kind of there was a lot more human there's the human side of superman in in uh in this issue and it was great for Maguire to draw that because yes, there are moments where Superman has to make a face. And if you need somebody with an expression, uh, very few artists can, can get, um, can nail that, uh, as well as he can. I'm still enjoying Superman. I think a, a smidge more than action comics. Action comics has had, um, a pretty cool storyline with the whole attack on Metropolis from the Legion of doom, uh red cloud is still a threat but um 1020 so 1021 wrap that story up but um Romita Jr still draws that damn shield way too small but 1022 starts a new storyline um called the uh, House of Kent and 
it ties into Young Justice because Connor shows up in Metropolis to find out where he fits in. Because it's obvious he's not from from this particular Earth. He's not sure if it's another universe, another dimension, or if if he's just not. He, he needs questions answered, and um, so Superman brings the best and the brightest. Uh, you've got uh, you've got Mister Terrific and 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 Will Magnus, and, and there's just he had. Um, the Batman, of course, Ray Palmer, uh, Ted Core, Ryan Choice. Everybody shows up to try to get to where Connor's from, how he exists here, and um, and ten twenty two is actually inked by Danny Miki, whereas the other two are, are, are Klaus has been inking JRJR for the most part, um, and I I like Miki's inks on Rita Jr. because you get a little bit more Ramita Jr. And, 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 and I see the problems that I've been having with Ramita Jr. on Action Comics aren't necessarily problems I have with Ramita Jr. on Action Comics. But the gist of Action Comics with this House of Kent, when um, Superman, while he's dealing with Connor... John and Brainiac Five show up from the from the future, and because uh, because John wanted to show Brainy some some um, our present day tech and and sites and things like that. So the four of them go to the Kent farm, and the probably some of the greatest pages I, I, I've seen in this so far. Um, they. Mon Pacan are extremely happy to see John and and uh and are so happy that uh, you know he's okay and safe and in the future and whatnot. So so then um Pacan's like, Well who else? Who's that behind you? So so Superman moves out of the way and he's like, Well, this is why we're really here and I hate to drop this on you, but we have a bit of a predicament and do you know who this is? And Ma looks at him and's like can't they both say connor at the same time and and superman are like i have no idea how they know who this person is but obviously the kents do and they start talking about these stories about when 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 connor was on the farm and pa kent's like with that 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 time you lost my tractor and and connor's like yeah no i sunk it in the lake and and i mean they're just having like they're having these moments where they were lost and 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 now i'm even now I'm super sucked in because I got to know how Bendis is going to play this. I want to know because he's doing his own thing. He's, he's doing, he, he's touching on this in, in Young Justice where he's, he's, he's having Bart try to explain how everybody's here. Uh, and, and the Bendis is carrying us over into action comics and, and the fact that so, so, so the 90 Superboy that we know is, seems to be this character in action and i and i i'm now i'm i mean yeah the, the whole red cloud and the invisible mafia and things like that i mean yeah that, that, that's cool the whole thing with with what's going on with daily planet and uh whether or not that's worth the paper it's printed on because you know superman's been outed and and the publisher leon is 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 a criminal and and they have their own issues but i don't i don't care about that because i want to know 
how Connor fits into this new it's just it's it, it blew my mind I, I read these issues and I was just like this is this is what I've been I've been waiting for I, I absolutely this this is exciting I, I just I'm, I'm I've trusted Bendis with this that's obvious but I mean this has just been I was so happy when when I read these these issues this just 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 like I need I need the next issues now like I, I let a couple pile up because I'm like I know where it's kind of going, but this I was completely blown away. I know some people are gonna be like, "Yeah, no, that's that. That's it's either moving too slow for me, or I don't care about that. I want to see you know Superman be Superman." But to me, this is we're seeing sides of Superman that I haven't seen in a long time. So I'm, I'm, I'm still super cool with 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 the bus he's driving and, and where he's taking it. But yeah, I've I've back to high on the hog with with, with Superman in action. But I mean the the these reactions with these characters and, and seeing the faces light up when, when they realize it's Connor and, and you know, who the hell is this kid? Everybody else said it, it was blew me away, man. I absolutely loved it. Superman. Boom. There you go. Look at y'all getting your Clark Kent on and hit. <laughs> you goofy bastard hey everybody we would like to thank you for being here with us one more time if you enjoyed this you know the drill go to the twitter and the reddit and the instagram and the uh facebook's all over there if you would be so kind to check out our patreon page because those are the blokes and blokettes that made all this possible patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics in your travels, the last of my DC Digital Firsts uh, investigation is probably going to blow David's mind. I read Shazam! Lightning Strikes number two because of the presence of well, two people that I saw uh, on the cover. It was written, well, there's two stories. The the leading story was written by someone who I believe just got inducted into the Eisner Hall of Fame. Louise Simonson. Wheezy. <laughs> yep, my woman Wheezy, lover. And it was illustrated by Brett Blevins. Oh, Brady B. Yeah. Color art by Chris Sotomayor. Um I've been away from Shazam. I don't know who these kids are. Uh, the Shazam family seems to be multiplying. There are kids here I'm not familiar with. Uh, you should watch the movie. A young man named Pedro, a portly young man named Pedro, who reminds uh-huh. me of the high school version of Bob Stone from Central Intelligence. He's got that young Bob Stone look to him. He's a, he's a large, large uh, young man. Um, he's a crossing guard. And he has to change to Shazam uh, because there's a out-of-control bus. And it's one of those stories where, well, we have to cover the tracks that Pedro just did because he had no uh, recourse but to bring the thunder, and now he's going to get outed as a green Shazam. Um, so we have to have Eugene Shazam into this gray Shazam, gray suited Shazam to to make divert everyone's attention from the fact that that green Shazam that was just here is now 
young Pedro. And it's just a, um, uh, it shows you the inner workings of this, this Shazam family. There's a, a young lady named Darla. And you've captured my heart if you're going to name a, a young lady Darla, Little Rascals. Um, she seems to be in on the whole Shazam family thing. Um, I, the musical question is just how many kids did the wizard give the Shazam powers to? I'm assuming that this is a Johns thing from the backups in the 2016 Justice League. Uh, but I haven't read those, so I can't say for sure. Uh, and the second story is written by Phil Hester. Yay! With art by Eric Gapster and David Barron. There's a cons- His anchor on uh, Family Tree. Yeah. There's a um, construction crew unearth this ball of glowing energy, and Shazam saves the day, and he turns back to Billy Batson. This is the traditional Shazam. Um, even though his lightning bolts all energy thing going on, whatever. Um, and he gives the, the ball to Eugene, who just so happens to be having a problem with his robot. His uh, It was kind of like um, the Robot Rumble. Uh, what was that show where the people would build robots and they would send them uh, to beat the crap out of each other? That TV uh, show. Oh, the one that Chris Jericho was uh, the host? Yeah, you know that they'd have these these big brains build these robots and then they would face them yeah. off in the ring. Well, the Fawcett High School is having one of those, and Eugene's having problems because the energy source in his robot isn't all that good. It's 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 faltering. So what does he do? He uses this ball of energy to power his robot, and things go south. The thing goes out of control, and it starts. It doesn't respond to to the 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 you know remote control thing, and it's it's on the verge of killing people. So he, what he has to do reluctantly, he has to uh, throw himself at the feet of his rival, this young lady named Lily Lily Nudson, who was ousted uh, from his group because he didn't think she had the stuff, and she's resented the fact ever since and wants to bring him down. But they have to meet on common ground to save the day, and. It doesn't work because the thing goes out of control, but Shazam saves the day again. It's just a, a neat little glimpse into the inner workings of this Shazam family, most of whom I don't know who they are. But it was cool, and it was written by veterans, Wheezy and, and Phil Hester. So it was a lot of fun, and the art was wonderful. Like, you say Blevins, I say how high. Right? <laughs> Seriously. So, I mean, if you haven't investigated these DC digital first books, I mean, do yourself a favor. Be a, take a risk because they, they were nothing if not fun. No big event tie-ins, no cross-pollination with other titles. You get a, a self-contained story and they're a world of fun. Nice. That's great. Uh, in your travels, get something this Wednesday if you did not pre-order it. Silly. Uh, hopefully your shop, your place of book acquiring will have one for you. Um, I'm not going to get into it because I need you to enjoy it when you do read it. Um, but get yourself Pulp by Ed Baker. And Sean Phillips, trust me when I say it looks fantastic. I don't, you know, we know the preview pages that we saw in previews months back, but it's, uh, yeah, that, that <laughs> you ain't seen nothing. This is a, uh, it, we sing their praises on criminal 
every chance we get. But this is um, this just this feels and looks different, and 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 it should. But it's it's a little um, it's a little uh, curvier and 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 um, uh, polished than we see on criminal, but. But it works where 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 that's applied. It absolutely works. But um, it's it is meaty, is 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 we like to say. But yeah, um, we'll talk about it when once we all get to read it. But by all means, hopefully you pre-ordered it. Hopefully it's on its way. Um, but uh, make sure you do yourself the service of uh, of picking up pulp. Got a hammer at that Brubaker Phillips pulpit. Smash it, because people Bam. need to be reading this stuff. They do. That's cool. Fast. Summer comes out too. So, well, I got nothing to say to people who haven't read that yet. You just, yes. you're, yes. just you're just silly. Yes. Mm-hmm. And before we go, we got a shout out to our newest patron, Mister Andrew Carita. Yes. Andrew is a fellow evil capitalist like me, fellow New York fund manager. And uh, welcome aboard. I hope we uh, hope we keep you for a while. Hope you yeah, enjoy yourself. <laughs> That's what I told them. And yeah, so and and thank you to Felix for uh, letting making Andrew aware. Big, That's fast. Uh, that. Yeah. So you know, it's all it's all good. I mean, Felix is absolutely good people, and mm-hmm. and and so thank you to him for talking us up. But um, but of course, thank you, Andrew, for for joining in on the fun. He's. Uh, He's on the slacks, and uh, and yeah, it's um, he knows it. It should be a madhouse. Mm-hmm. And uh, speaking of the patrons, uh, let's not forget that when we reconvene in just three days from now, it will be the book of the month. Yes, it's a book that uh, Dap had to be convinced and cajoled by Vince and I to put on the list. But, uh, <laughs> yes, hopefully, absolutely. he'll still find a way to enjoy it when he. Uh, I'll muddle through. You want to tell them what it is, Dad? It uh, of the um, of the nominees, it very narrowly clutched um, clutched its victory. It is Green Lantern, Green Arrow, Hard Traveling Heroes. What was the number two? Number two was the question: Zen and violence. Mm. Yeah, it was mm-hmm. tough. It was tough. Nice. Uh, and before I do my book, I, I know, Dap, you had thought about talking about it. We don't have to spend a lot of time, but it is somewhat timely, so we should probably at least, if we're going to do it, do it now. And that is uh, give a big round of applause and shout out to this year's Eisner Award winners. Um, the Eisners are usually presented at San Diego Comic-Con at a little award ceremony, obviously, with San Diego not happening this year, it was done virtually. But um, on a personal note, I always find great value in in the uh, both the nominees and winners as fertile ground for me. I generally make uh, note of things that I have not yet read uh, and then do a big catch-up um, in the back half of the year. And this year um, was one of those years where many of the winning books uh, or creators were stuff that I had definitely enjoyed and repped for already. So it was a, it was a pretty, pretty fun year. A lot of, uh, a 
lot of uh, shaking my fist in in uh, in, in admiration. But uh, but uh, huge thanks. Uh, not huge thanks. A uh, huge congrats to uh, our good friend Sanford Green, uh, former guest of the show, uh, who along with uh, David Walker and, and Chuck Brown there. Their book, Bitter Root, uh, won for best series, which is huge. Wumba huge. Uh, and another EOC show favorite, Little Bird by Darcy Von Pulgeist and Ian Bertram, won for best limited series. And uh, um, Invisible Kingdom by G. Willow Wilson and Christian Ward won for best mm. new series. So y'all are, everybody's getting a little something, something come their way. Um, unfortunately we, we did have Pitzer from Madhouse on and talked about the freak being nominated by Matt Lesniewski that did not win for best single issue one shot, although it was definitely a great book. Um, uh, our favorite thing is my favorite thing is monsters one, which was the free comic book day tie into the phenomenal graphic novel by Emil Ferris. Um, a book that I was incredibly happy to see get love, uh, was for the best short story category, and that's Hot Comb by Ebony Flowers. You patrons probably recognize her name because um, I featured Ebony in one of our creator spotlights last month that I do on this on the uh, patron page. So um, this was her first comics work. It was by Drawn and Quarterly, and it's uh, it's great. I talked about it on the show maybe six months ago, so you can go back and uh, hear what I had to say back then. Um, Vince was overjoyed with the fact that uh, Raina Telgemeier won uh, multiple awards, <laughs> I, I, but honestly, I, honestly, long overdue though. I mean, like, I mean, p- putting aside whether it might not be like any of our particular top thing. I mean, she has been one of the most successful and influential comic creators of the last decade, and uh, it's high time that she won. She she received the uh, best writer artist award this year uh, for guts, and also guts won for uh, best kids book. Um, probably not surprising, and. Uh, Best penciler inker was Rosemary Valero O'Connell for Laura Dean keeps breaking up with me. Another book that uh, that I very much enjoyed, and her partner in that writer uh, Mariko Tamaki uh, was this year's best writer. She is uh, only the second female to ever win the award, uh, jo- joining Marjorie Liu, who won uh, what two years ago, tied with uh, Tom King. So, yeah, those are the big awards. Um, there are a bunch more, so apologies if I didn't mention. If you guys have any others you want to shout out, by all means. But, yeah, can uh, I just interject? Uh, yeah. The the top of the mountain for me, not one but two Eisners, my mm-hmm. woman Linda Berry. Got best comics-related book for making comics. Yes, that's right. Yeah, and yeah, best yeah. publication design. There you go. For same. Yeah. And Stan Sakai won... For best letterer for like the eighth time or ninth time. Oh, he should. He's a wonderful letterer. Yeah, no, I know. But remember when I was looking up when we had Tom on, and I was looking up all the people that have won Wumba Eisner's, and Sakai's won something like eight or nine, but all of them have been lettering except for one. I like the Hall of Fame choices this year because not only did Allison Bechdel win the great. And unfortunately, late Howard Cruz, Stan Sakai, Louise Simonson, mm-hmm. and uh, we got Bill Watterson. But most importantly for me, they are pulling in the people from fandom with Don and Maggie Thompson. Mm-hmm. They should have been in a long time ago. 
Yeah. How many people have they uh, cajoled into buying comics with CBG over the, mm-hmm. the, the many decades? Bids, do you have that Crazy Cat book that won for Best Archival? Yes, I do. I got. It. I might have to get it because Toshin does great work, and uh, I always pay attention to that because it's that stuff's like that category is always a dream for the shelf, you know. Yep, can't go wrong. Absolutely. So there you go. So congrats to this year's Eisner Award winners and nominees too. A lot of the nominees were were fantastic that didn't win. Um, yeah. So like, uh, definitely. Uh, it was at this some years, and your 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 taste may vary, but but some years I feel like it's. It's not quite in sync with my own personal choices. And then years like this, I'm like, oh, yeah, you guys got it. You guys got it right this year. Um, that being said, in your travels, the book I'd like you to check out is by Dark Horse. Uh, it uh, is a series that came out last year, written and drawn by John Allison with colors by Sarah Stern. Many of you know that name from Giant Days, his wildly successful longtime series. This is uh, his follow-up miniseries to that called Steeple, which uh, is dubbed as a supernatural tale of friendship, the devil, and moral gray areas. Um, it's a five-issue mini, and uh, it's 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 a perfect Union Travels book. I don't think it warrants a deep dive, but I read it in one sitting smiled throughout the whole thing and am happy to have read it. It's basically, um, if you've read giant days, you know, John is a Brit and he writes stories set in Britain and including lots of, uh, like British, like pop references and, uh, and, uh, slang. And, uh, there's a charm to that. This takes place in, Cornwell uh, in a small town called Tredrigen. Uh, and it's basically like a Buffy situation. It's a hellmouth, And there is a priest who, it's a coastal city, and there's a priest who basically spends every night battling creatures, uh, trying to send them back to hell. He's looking for help. Uh, help arrives in the form of a young woman named Billy Baker, who is uh, a uh, priest in training. This is not Catholicism. It's a uh, so it's you know she can be a, a female and 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 uh, priest, um, and she arrives and he's like, you know she's she's a skinny little petite thing and he's like I I don't understand like this is not going to work but she's chipper and good natured and it's hard to believe that she's going to be much for fighting demons, um, and along the way she befriends a gray haired young woman named Maggie Warren. Well, it turns out that uh, Billy is a priest in training and Maggie happens to be a Satanist <laughs> and uh, they make strike up an odd quirky friendship, believe it or not. And uh, at its heart, it's a book about kind of what we talked about at the beginning in a more serious way, which is that it is possible to get along with tolerate, even be friends with people who have diametrically different viewpoints as you. Uh, it's, it's not like that is how, that is how the world worked for most of humanity. Um, much harder these days for lots of reasons, but, um, I appreciated the book for what it was because it was a little reminder to myself that like, you know, again, not everybody is, is you don't, it's ridiculous to assume that you can only befriend and spend time with people that have a hundred percent similar worldviews. Uh, yeah, and this is fun and ultimately ends up with, uh, with, uh, our, our, our clergy woman, 
becoming a Satanist and uh, and our Satanist becoming uh, going to the other side. So uh, clever. Uh, I love Allison's cartooning. Very simple style. Um, again, if you're familiar with Giant Days, uh, you, you know what it looks like. But just but very single line weight, black ink, uh, flat colors, um, expressive faces, a little bit of a manga influence. I dig it quite a bit. Um, not overly busy backgrounds. And uh, yeah, it was great. It was a quick read. Um, Steeple, it's called. It's five issues. Dark Horse. The trade is, uh, let's see, I think it's like, uh, what's the 1999 cover. So it'll run you, what, 13, 14 bucks at in stock. Have at it. Nice. So it's not the traditional Hollywood based depiction of Satanism, or it is. It's not the real Satanism. I feel like that's a loaded question because I don't is. It, to it, know it, what what real what you mean by real Satanism. Well, they don't worship the devil. There's no deity that they sacrifice children to. It's a, a, a Satan. A, a true Satanist wouldn't give a shit what the the other side believed in. You know what I mean? Just you, just do you. Yeah, this is a little more conventional. Yeah, than, I guess. Yeah, yeah. like. They worship Satan. Okay. Yeah. Cool. I'm going to read it. Yeah, this is more like uh, Trigon Teen Titans. Type right, of yeah, and that's always fun. I like that. Yeah. Sweet. All right, we've said our piece, a lot of pieces, and uh, we hope you will return for the next one of these in three days because we're doing a book of the month thing, uh, Green Lantern, Green Arrow, Hard Traveling Heroes, drawn by a, a, a newcomer. To the yeah, uh, up and comer. Yeah, up and comer. Hope he makes it. Yeah, I don't know. It's iffy, but we'll see. Uh, and join us. We'll be here with a, a hot beverage or cold beverage, whatever your, your choice. Uh, check out all the other things I said, the, the socials. And uh, in the meantime, say goodnight. What if we ever did this when Roy was on? He'd be like, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> David. Ah, good night. Like I say it. Mm -hmm. David. That's it for that one.